Welcome to The Hoop Commitment. I'm your host, Mike Nielsen. Join me every week to get inside the greatest minds in basketball nutrition, training, and leadership to elevate your game and improve the way you eat, train, and lead. Welcome to episode 65. With this being Thanksgiving week here in America, I wanted to let you all know how truly thankful I am for all your support. I've mentioned before that the best part of doing the podcast has been making new friends and learning from everyone. But a close second is the text messages, emails, phone calls, and social media messages letting me know that you're listening. I've gotten words of encouragement from parents, coaches, players, and friends from all around the world. Just two days ago, my parents took a picture of the car's radio display, showing me that they were listening to the loyalty episode while they drove around Las Vegas. It just brought a smile to my face. And as a small gesture of thanks in return, I reposted a bunch of five-minute ball handling routines and bodyweight workouts on the Hoop Commitment website for all you athletes that have gone back into shutdown mode in your city. I've always liked the quote, you can make gains or you can make excuses but you can't make both. And if you want to make gains while your gym is closed, go to hoopcommitment.com and get free access to the workouts. Now today's episode is a sneak peek into the favorite part of my job, which are the relationships. Getting to know athletes and watching them grow over the course of four years. Today's guest is former Zag and now NBA player Killian Tilly. We just found out last week that he signed a two-way deal with the Memphis Grizzlies, and so I couldn't be happier for him. This is a guy who has been sidelined multiple times with injuries, but never stopped being a positive force on the team. I picked his brain today on how he prepares in the offseason and the most important lessons he's learned in his career. And the real reason I'm such a huge fan of Tilly is not because of his ability to get on hot streaks like hitting 12 threes in a row, but because of the way he treats his fans. And if you're a parent, you know what it means to have a positive role model take the time to be kind to your kid. And that's just the kind of person he is. Here's Killian Tilly. Tilly, welcome to the Hoop Commitment Podcast. How you doing? Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm doing good. What about you? I'm doing great. I've been watching you put in work for the last four or five years. And so I'm really excited to connect with you and just find out what makes you tick. Because I know you had probably a different background, a different childhood than I did growing up in another country. I know your family was a big volleyball family. So tell me about how you got into basketball. Yeah, man, it was, you know, it was a hard decision. I was playing basketball and volleyball uh, until I was like 14. And, you know, my family is a little bigger in, in volleyball. So I think it was just a hard decision. I think I just chose basketball because of my bigger brother. Watching him play at Utah, University of Utah, and then in EuroLeague too. So it just made me want to play basketball, you know. How much older is your older brother? He's like 10 years older. So I could see him play professionally in Europe and at Utah. So it was pretty good. And how did your parents take the decision when you finally said, hey, I think I'm setting down the volleyball and picking up the basketball? Uh, I think my mom was sad because, you know, she was coaching me my whole, like, childhood. So she was kind of sad, but uh, my dad was happy. You know, he likes basketball. And they're happy with the decision, honestly. I was watching you a couple of years ago, and a lot of the guys shoot half quarters on the game day. And most people shoot them. Some people kind of heave them from the hips. Some people try and shoot jump shots. You actually did a set, like you threw the basketball up in the air, like with the volleyball, and you set it and you made it. Is that something that you always do? Most of the time, I try to do that. I mean, because I think it's pretty accurate. Sometimes it's even more accurate than normal jump shots. So it's definitely better to just sit in there. 
Maybe you could try out shooting a free throw that way. Maybe just set it up. I don't know. That, that yeah. might work. I don't know, but it's definitely a cool shot, I think. So tell me about what made you decide to come to Gonzaga. I think definitely the best decision for me, just the experience they had with international guys, with the way they improved their big guys, and also just the community behind Gonzaga. Like, it was just huge, you know, everybody goes to the game, the games were crazy, and then everything was just perfect for me at GU. And Tommy did a great job, you know, recruiting me, uh, coming in France, and making sure I knew everything about it. So it was definitely the best decision for me, yeah. So you show up on campus, you leave your hometown, and you come to America, that had to have been like a huge culture shock. Yeah, I mean, it was as big as I think other guys, you know, like, you know, guys like Rui or other guys. Because I've been here a lot. I've been in the States a lot, visit my, my brothers when they were in college. And, and I knew what to expect. So I knew a little bit about the culture. So I think it was hard for like one or two months. And then I was I was good. When you mentioned you like how Gonzaga put emphasis or maybe utilizes their big guys, and you're not a traditional big guy. You have really nice back-to-the-basket moves. But when I think about you, I think about that nice jump shot. Is that common for European bigs to be able to shoot from three? Yeah, I think so. I think it's kind of common. I really developed my shot while I was at uh, Gonzaga, honestly, uh, with Ricky and, and Tommy. Uh, my first years and just to make it more consistent and that's really where i started shooting even better because when, when i was in france i was you know big guys it was jumping higher than everybody and it was just getting rebounds but once i got here I, I needed something else i think the shot we worked on really helped me you know being the player i am now well obviously it helped you know when i think about you one of my favorite memories was you caught fire. You were in the zone, not just for one game, but for like a series of games. And you ended up shooting, I think, 12 or 13 threes in a row. You were like three away from NCAA record for consecutive threes. What does that feel like to be in the zone where you just, everything you're throwing up is going in? Hey, by the way, I'm still mad I didn't break this record. I was close. I think the one uh, I missed too was like an in and out, like halfway in and it and went out. I was really close from that. Like you said, you know, being in the zone was just, I mean, it was just fun, man. Like, you don't think about anything. You don't even think about sh your shooting form. You just shoot it. You just, like, throw it in there, and, and it just goes in. I think that's why I like Vegas this much, because I think the gym was just, maybe the rims were easier to, to go in, the balls to go in. But I just loved the atmosphere there, and it was just a lot, a lot of fun playing there. I think, you know, for that to happen can't be on accident. You know, maybe you can get hot for one game, but for a series of games like that, and I just think about the work that you put in over the years. One of my favorite Tilly stories was I got to go to Phoenix and watch you guys in the Final Four. And I have this thing where if it's down the stretch and you have a chance to seal the game at the free throw line and someone misses that shot, it's almost guaranteed the other team is going to hit a miraculous full court shot. You know, it kind of seems like you're punished if you don't capitalize. And I think about you where this is the first time Gonzaga's ever been in the final four. And now you have a chance to seal it. We're up by two. You get fouled down the stretch. You have to make two to make sure that the game is ice. And you stand up there, you hit both free throws. And we make it to the first ever NCAA championship game. And that was just so cool. I, was, I mean, I know you probably were not that nervous. I was like clenching my teeth, sweating. Man, I, I was, what you mean? I was nervous, man. I was the most nervous I've ever been, I think. Really? Like, I don't know why the coaches trusted me being a skinny freshman going in the game to shoot two free throws. Like, no, like I was definitely nervous. But I mean, it was kind of a good nervous, you know, it was like a motivation kind of. I love hearing you say that because I think myself and probably a lot of people listening would never think that you would get nervous. Sometimes I can beat myself up because I'll get nervous for big games or nervous for situations. And I feel like, well, that means I'm weak. 
And so I love hearing you say that, yeah, you were nervous, but it was a good kind of nervous. You know, you still had those feelings, but you overcame them. So you step up to the line, what's going through your mind? You know, are you thinking about don't miss it? Or are you thinking about this is my opportunity? Are you thinking at all? I don't think you can't think about anything. First of all, there's 77,000 people around you watching you and you barely can't see the people in the, the back of the gym honestly you don't really think about anything you just try to focus on your form and like i said earlier like obviously you're gonna have to be nervous like any normal person is gonna be nervous during this moment and it's not a bad thing honestly they just gotta try to airball the free throw and put it inside the, the basket that's it here's what's a takeaway and i think where the lesson that i learned from you and then what was even better is i got to teach my son this was a week after the Final Four, and my son and I, we sneaked down to McCarthy Center like on a Saturday night knowing that no one's going to be there, especially the week after March Madness, you know. So we sneak in. It's probably, I don't know, 7, 8 o'clock at night. We're going to get some one-on-one in. And as we walk into McCarthy Center, we hear a ball bouncing, and I'm like, oh, I better make sure no one's on the court. And I look, and it's you by yourself shooting free throws. And like this wave of gratitude just was just overwhelming because not only did I get to see that, but I got to tell my son the story. I got to say, hey. Carter, look at, remember the guy that hit the free throws that took us to the championship game? Look, that's him right there by himself in the gym shooting free throws. Have you always had that work ethic, that ability to have the self-discipline to get in the gym and get your shots up? Yeah, I mean, I think try to create a habit. I think it really started when I came to GU. Just coming at night to work out and work on your specific game and, and everything. But also, it's something I love to do, you know. Instead of just being bored at home, you just go shoot and you know, have fun. Yeah, I mean, uh, I love to do that even with some other guys. Usually uh, I go with other guys and, and shoot. And I think everybody's doing that at GU too. Like, almost all the players do that. It's like a religion for us to just come back at night and work on our game. Yeah, it's no accident that the program's had so much success over the last 20 years. And obviously, they recruit great players. They have some of the most brilliant basketball coaches you know, in the world. But none of that happens without the skills from the players. And that's just, that's interesting. I would have thought that you would have been a great shooter growing up. I would have thought that that's why they recruited you. So to hear that you were a good shooter, but you didn't become a great shooter until your college years, that's amazing to me. You know, that just goes to show that you never can stop working. Yeah. I mean, I was a good shooter, but obviously definitely needed to work on my form. And that's the main thing that changed my shot from being good to being really good. And uh, obviously, it's still improvement to do, but definitely can keep working on your strength and you always can keep making them better, you know, so always keep on working on your strength. One of my favorite strengths that you have is actually not even a basketball strength, I don't think, but it's just the kindness that you have for people. One of my favorite stories that I tell, too, is when people ask me about what kind of person you are, is I tell them about uh, the time we came into the gym and my office is upstairs. I was in with my son again and I went to run upstairs to grab something. I said, hey, well, you can open up the practice gym and you can watch the guys practice. And you were in with another one of your teammates. And so I said, hey, just stand in the corner, Carter. So I opened up the practice gym door, let him in. He stood in the corner and I ran from my office. And when I came back down to grab him, he had this ear to ear grin. He was like so excited, you know, and I'm, I'm like, hey, did you see some cool one on one or some cool shots? What were they doing? And he says, Tilly ran over and, and shook my hand and asked me how I'm doing. And I'm like, what? You know, like. In the middle of your workout, you stop to walk across the gym and make a little, you know, I think he was probably 10 years old at the time, make a 10-year-old's day. Where does that come from? Is that from your family? Is that from a mentor? Is that just in your heart? I think it's normal to me. I've been raised like that. Just think it's important to, you know, give back to the kids. And I think, you know, I remember when I was a kid too, like when I was seeing like pro players or whatever, I was so excited like your son was, you know, 
just like super excited, you know, and it made my day. It's just a little gesture for me. You know, it doesn't cost me anything. And it actually makes me happy too to do that. To see people smiling, even fans smiling. So it's always fun to do that for me too. Well, and you do it even with the people that are just around you that would consider you friends that, you know, that I could see how you really could change a kid's life when a pro player comes and gives them a high five. But you walk in the gym and you do the same thing to me and all the other coaches or managers that are around. You make sure that you make eye contact with everyone, ask them how they're doing. You know, are you just like naturally a happy person? Is that something you're intentional about? Is it just a habit that you form? I mean, I just think life is just more fun when everybody's happy, you know, when there's no tension. And we do have to, you know, take life seriously, like almost always, like seriously, uh, 24-7, you know. Things are always fun to, you know, get some jokes, get people laughing, get people happy around you. And I mean, it's definitely important for me to have that. And I, that's why I love GU because everybody's like that. It's not just me, man. It's just everybody. It's just trying to make everybody happy. It is a special place. You know, I've had offers to be able to go to other places that I've never even considered because this is really my home. And I always tell people, like, if I'm going to leave my home, if I'm going to leave my kids and my wife for 40 hours plus a week, I don't want to go to a place that makes me grumpy or that's so stressful that, you know, detracts from me. I want to go to a place that fills me up. And so, it's kind of nice because I get most of my friend fix at work every day. I get to see people like you and I love Travis, you know, Nick, Michael, the other strength coaches, the administrators. You know, I think you are uncommon the way that level that you're able to operate with the attitude of gratitude. But it is pretty common around here to see people looking in the eye, smiling, asking how you're doing. So was that one of the big factors that made you decide to come to Gonzaga? Yeah, I mean, everybody was just so kind. Everybody, even people you don't know, just smell at you, just, you know, ask you how you're doing. And I think it's just a great mentality from the community, from everybody here. It's a little different from friends. We don't smile to other people. We don't know. We don't want to be friends with other people, honestly. I think it's just a different mentality. And, and here it's just, uh, so different. You know, everybody just uh, smiles to everybody and, and it's just different. Man. Well, when people hear this or they see you play, they probably think your life has been easy because... They look at you, you're almost seven feet tall. You got one of the nicest jumpers I've ever seen. You're always smiling. You know, you're on the cover of ESPN. And so I think it might be easy to be like, well, he's had a pretty easy life. But I know it's been super challenging. I know all of us, you know, experienced the highs and lows. Can you tell me about some of the, the challenges you've had to overcome in your career? Well, I've had a few challenges. Obviously, injuries were a big one. You know, every time I was injured, uh, people tell me I was weak. People tell me I was, you know, not really tough. It was kind of, you know, a motivation for me to come back as fast as I could to prove people wrong. And, and But also, one bigger motivation for me to come back quickly was just to come back on the court to help my teammates. You know, I couldn't stand being on the bench and seeing sometimes my teammates struggle or, you know, I just really want to go on the court and, and help them. That was the biggest motivation for me to always try to come back as quick as I could. And I think that I did pretty well. How difficult has this last year been not knowing what your future holds? Is there going to be an NBA season? Is there going to be an NBA draft where you fit in everything? That has to have been really draining to come in and work out every day and not knowing necessarily when you have to be ready. It was just something like crazy, you know, just the, the end of the season like this. I had no idea what was going on. And then the draft keep being pushed back. No idea when the combine was going to be. I literally just had my combine like on November 1st. I was I was working for that the whole summer. I didn't know I had no idea when it was going to be. So it was just hard, but I try to keep focused on, you know, getting stronger, uh, getting all my injuries, uh, you know, fixed and, and, and strong again, you know. Had a lot of routines in place to you know, make sure everything is, is good too. For when I come to the draft, uh, this month is finally here. I'm just really excited for that. 
Tell me about the preparation because, you know, I get to be in the gym for 40 hours a week and you're in here quite a bit, you know, and not just one time a day. I see you throughout the day. Can you tell me kind of what a typical day looks like for you? I mean, this whole summer, it was, it was kind of different, but I mostly try to come and lift in the morning. So I would try and try to do lifting and maybe conditioning too a little bit. And then I go get lunch. Uh, maybe Chipotle, like you eat Chipotle every day, Mike. And I can't help it, man. I bought stock in the place. I have to support man, my business. That's crazy. Every time I see Mike at the office at noon, he's got a Chipotle bowl. <laughs> that's funny, man. And then, so after Chipotle, I just go take a nap, you know, get rest. I take a nap every day, honestly. And then I, I wake up from that, got some energy, and uh, go work out at night with Jorge. It's helped me a ton this summer. He's helping me prepare for the combine, for the draft. And I'm really thankful to have him to help me every day work out and, and work on everything. So I'm glad, you know, he doesn't have to do that. You know, he just helps me like that. And that's the kind of, you know, mentality Gonzaga coaches have. So uh, even Tommy has helped me a lot. So I'm just thankful to stay here and have these guys to help me, you know, get, get through this. I love your attitude of gratitude. That's one of my core values is that we can't be our best. We really can't be successful without help from other people. And so I think for you to be able to realize that your success is going to come from people like your older brothers that motivated you, you know, the coaches that helped bring you here and helped develop your shot. And uh, It's really cool to just see, because I know you're putting the work in, but there's definitely a team of people that love and support you that, that want the best for you. So I want to go back one last time just to the idea of, you know, being in the zone and how to get there. And what happens when you're out of the zone? Because I think to have that feeling of hitting 12 threes in a row has got to just feel like the game is so easy and effortless. I'm not thinking about my shot. What about those days when you go, you know, 0 for 6? You know, you miss 10 shots in a row. How do you get back on track? What's your inner dialogue like? Yeah. I, obviously, like you say, when you're in the zone, it's easy. Effortless, like you say, that's a good word. Yeah, when you're struggling, that's hard, you know, like. For example, when I came back for the beginning of my, my senior year, you know, I was kind of struggling shooting outside, just shooting the three. You just got to go back to the basics, you know, go do some shooting form, get on the gun and shoot threes, just rev them out. And before every single game, he told me, just make your first three. If you make your first three, you're going to have a great game. Now, every time I, you know, I stepped in the game, I, I was thinking what Tommy said, and I tried to make my first three, and then I was having a good game. You know? I try to focus on just, you know, shooting form, and I don't really care about if it goes in or if it doesn't. Just keep shooting with confidence, honestly. The most important thing is keep shooting with confidence. So as a pro player now, you still do form shooting? I try to. Obviously, you know, it's not the most exciting uh, workout, but I think it's important sometimes when you can't get bored with your shot, you know, just like myself, I just, I feel like the whole summer I was getting bored with my free throw. And I, I wasn't making any free throw. It was bad, honestly. And we kind of changed a little bit uh, my free throw, changed my approach. And I'm not really bored anymore shooting. You know, I'm, I'm more focused on, on shooting now. It's a constant change, recipe, and work on it. In a typical workout, you know, if you're doing a shooting workout, how many shots will you take or make? Do you even track it at all? Is there like a ballpark figure that you like to get up? I don't really track, but I'd say we, or a small workout, we get around you know, 300 shots, maybe a little bigger workout, probably 600 shots. Uh, it really depends. It depends if you, you know, shoot floaters, post moves uh, and all that. So it really just depends. Well, man, thank you so much for all your time. And thanks for all the energy, the positivity, the attitude of gratitude that you bring to Gonzaga. You definitely have made this a better place for me to be. So I can't wait to watch your long pro career and be a fan. Thanks, Mike. 
Appreciate it. Appreciate uh, the hoop commitment. I love the podcast. I was excited to get, get on this thing. So thanks for having me, man. Now that's a wrap on episode 65. And I hope you'll join me next week where I get to interview one of the funniest and most talented people on the planet, Eric Edelstein, or as we call him, Big Ed. He's now a famous actor down in L.A., but back in the day, he was my college roommate and the Gonzaga men's basketball play-by-play announcer for GUTV. This episode is about how he still uses the life lessons he learned in basketball to help him now in his professional acting career. And for all you Big Ed fans out there, you can rest assured that he gave me his best Bill Walton impersonation and his favorite Mark Few story. So if you want to get inspired to be your best and laugh at the same time, you won't want to miss this episode. Now don't forget to go to hoopcommitment.com for your free five-minute ball handling routines and bodyweight workouts. Even if you just do five minutes a day, that's over two hours of work over the course of the next month. And to all of you who are committed, we'll earn your ex. (laughs) 